Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. What do we do when we realize that we are living a life out of alignment with who we really are? How can we correct course and live a happier, more meaningful life? Well, Dr. Anna Usum is my guest today, and in her new book, Fulfilled, she shares her work in the science of spirituality and helps give us a roadmap to cultivate a new way of living in alignment with our purpose. Are you ready to meet her? Anna Usum, MD, is an award-winning, internationally recognized psychiatrist, keynote speaker, and she's the best-selling author of Fulfilled, How the Science of Spirituality Can Help You Live a Happier, More Meaningful Life. She has a psychiatry practice in Manhattan, where she's helped more than a thousand patients. Along the way, Dr. Usum has traveled, lived, and worked in more than 50 countries while studying Kabbalah, learning Buddhist meditation, and working with South American shamans and Indian gurus. You can find out more about Anna and her work at AnnaUsim.com. Anna, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you so much, Karen. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I, for me, it was in my early 40s when I had an experience that changed the course of my life. And for a lot of other people I know, we get to a place where we sit down and take a good look at ourselves and we realize, wait a minute, this was supposed to make me happy. It doesn't make me happy. I thought I would be here, but now I'm here and it isn't working. What can we do when we get to that weird out of alignment place? Yeah, I think that really is the question that inspired me to write my book, because at the end of the day, that's precisely the question that I asked in my 30s. And I got um, an unexpected response when I really looked inside. I realized that here I was doing all these things that I thought were supposed to make me happy. I was going to the best school, studying really hard, doing a job that I knew was very interesting and meaningful. But somehow or another, I was still out of alignment with myself. I also at the time was dating a good man and, and everything seemed to be fitting together. But then day to day, I would wake up and feel a little blah and I didn't even know what was going on. And it was only in really starting to look within. And then, like you said, experiencing a number of openings in my own life that really led me to a spiritual path I had never considered before that I started to reconnect with my own authenticity and eventually acknowledge what it is that my soul really wanted, which was to connect to something greater and to use that in my work with patients. It's a much longer and more intricate story, which I described in my book, but that's a little bit of a summary of it. And that's really what I try to do with the patients who come to see me in my psychiatry practice here in Manhattan and also what I try to take my readers through in my book, Fulfilled. One of the challenges in in that story is the way, how did you discover what it is that you really want? Because a lot of us are too frightened to reach for that or maybe even imagine what it is. Sometimes we find it, but we don't trust it when we find it. How did you find that? Maybe it's not certainty, but how did you find the clarity to move toward what you really wanted? Right. And, you know, 
in my case, which is different for everybody, in my case, it was already there. I just wasn't seeing it because I wasn't really connected to myself. I was living the life that was expected of me by my family, by society, by all these other people in my life and all these other, I guess, entities and structures and systems in my life. But I hadn't really checked in with myself to ask what really makes me happy. And I remember it's when I found a spiritual path and I can tell you about how I got there. Um, that one day, this spiritualist that I was um, speaking with, um, I was saying to her, she was actually reflecting back to me. She's like, I don't think you're really happy in your heart. I'm like, well, yes, I am. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. She's like, but I don't really feel that you are. And I was like, well, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? And then she reflects back to me. She's like, well, you're supposed to be helping people. And it's the strangest thing because here I was, a psychiatrist already helping people day to day, minute by minute. And it was only in this woman looking into my eyes and reflecting this back to me that my heart somehow opened and I started owning my purpose in this world in a whole new way. I've been doing it all along. I've been seeing people as a resident, as, you know, a psychiatrist, but somehow I hadn't owned it. Somehow I hadn't opened my own heart to see what it really was that I needed and wanted to be doing. And when I went home that day, there was a shift. Something shifted within me that elevated me to this whole new level of being. And that was the beginning of opening to something. It was such a subtle event. There was, it was, you know, mundane in every way. Just somebody looking into your eyes and telling you what it is that, you know, they see you doing. Mundane in many ways, but it was so profoundly opening. I think the beauty of spirit, the beauty of divine love or divine light, comes through sometimes most often in those mundane things. Someone who just happens to say the thing that unlocks, um, unlocks your heart, something you see or read or overhear that just happens to fall in place. There's a synchronicity sometimes in spiritual awakening, and as we're growing, that's very powerful. That's exactly it. And so in my book, I talk about how people can get that guidance, how they can connect to their purpose and to their own souls. And there are two primary ways, as I see it. One is to start to cultivate your intuition, which is that quiet voice within. And the voice of your intuition can only be heard when the screaming of our thoughts and the yelling of our emotions temporarily ceases. Your intuition is that still quiet voice, and it's always there, but we have to quiet our mind and our repetitive thoughts in order to hear it. That's the first way. That's the internal way. The external way as to how we can start connecting is really through synchronicity and through these little meaningful coincidences that occur in our life at just the right time in just the right way that begin to open us in unexpected ways to parts of ourselves that we really hadn't owned before. And they start to align you. And so I have a whole chapter on synchronicity, which is a concept, by the way, that Carl Jung, Swiss psychiatrist, Carl Jung coin in order to help people connect to each other and really to their purpose in this world. As we connect with what we truly desire and we cultivate our intuition, how can we learn to hear that as an authentic voice? How can we recognize spiritual guidance when we are receiving it? Yeah, right. So the most important question, this is what I work with my patients on day to day. So how first do you start to listen to your intuition? So it's really not as much by listening. It's really by 
trying to clear out all the things that keep you from being able to hear. And so for a lot of people, what that means is a meditation practice and starting to really be able to decipher and delineate your thoughts from the voice of your soul, from your intuition. And there's a lot of meditative exercises to help people do that. One such exercise is just starting to be aware of your thoughts in a different way and putting aside like five minutes a day and starting to just watch the thoughts. And as the thoughts come, starting to label the thoughts. I'm having a thought about what I'd like to have for lunch or I'm having a thought about what I have to do later today. And then you imagine the thought as an entity, as like a thing. And you take that thought, that thing out of your mind and you imagine a passing white cloud You put your thought on that cloud and watch it float away. And then that creates a vacuum in your mind for the next thought to enter. And then you allow that thought to enter. You label that. You take it out of your mind, put it on the cloud, and watch it float away. So this is one of the ways that you can become more attuned to working with your thoughts and thereby not letting your thoughts take up quite as much space and thereby opening up the space to hear the voice of your soul. So that's one way. That's the way in which you can start to become open to intuition. Now, the other way of guidance is synchronicity. How do you start to become more open to synchronicity? So synchronicity is a tricky thing. Examples of it are, for instance, you think about somebody and then they call you, um, you know, the next day unexpectedly, or you have a dream about a friend who you haven't heard from in ages. And then two days later, you bump into that person on the street. So are those random coincidences or are they somehow events that transpired by virtue of you being guided in some way by God, by the universe, by whatever it is that you're part of something greater? So Carl Jung believed that it was the latter, that synchronicities are a form of guidance, but it's very tricky because, you know, I'm a psychiatrist and relying too much on guidance of that nature is also a form of externalizing your personal power in, you know, uh, the negative sense, but in an even more negative sense, too much synchronicity, you can be starting to get messages that you're Jesus or messages that you're God. And I can tell you that the psychiatric emergency room where I worked as a resident is teeming with people who've gotten those kinds of messages. Billboards have told them that they're Mohammed or Jesus or God, or, you know, there's probably three Jesuses in a psychiatric emergency room at a given time because of people giving too much credence to signs or to synchronicities. And so that's why such an important part of interacting with synchronicity and becoming open to these kinds of coincidences and signs is first and foremost being really grounded in reality, having a healthy and stable mental state, and having, if you are spiritual, having some sort of teacher who you can, you know, run these things by, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And if you're just starting on any spiritual practice, even if it's a practice, even of understanding synchronicities in your life, to really have someone with whom you can discuss that as it comes up. That's why I believe that balance is so important in 
all of this. I teach intuitive development. I'm very passionate about it. But I ask my students to please keep their skepticism. You're going to need that healthy skepticism. You need your logic. You need your thought process. You need that grounding in reality there. That's meant to work with your intuition. So where people get in trouble, at least in my experience, they throw, they throw the logic out the window and go chasing the unicorn. Or <laughs> they stay so tight in that skeptical shell that they wouldn't know a unicorn if it came up and kissed them on the forehead. Exactly, exactly. So I think I think you're exactly right. And that doubt, that skepticism, this is our reason. This is our logical brain. The signs and our connection to the divine and to our own soul is actually the other side of our brain. It's the you know the right brain, whereas language and logic is the left brain. That's where skepticism resides. In the right brain, that's how we connect to intuition, to our soul, to spirituality, to creativity. It's the difference between the focused mind and the unfocused mind. In the unfocused mind, that's where intuition, spirituality, creativity, and other ways of connecting can reside. But to be healthy human beings, we need that dialectic between both sides of our brain and both sides of our cognitive capacities. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. My guest is Dr. Anna Yusim. Her new book is Fulfilled, How the Science of Spirituality Can Help You Live a Happier, More Meaningful Life. That term, the science of spirituality, there's a balance in that too, right? The hard edge of Western medicine and the clinical side of psychiatry and the squishiness of synchronicity and all those little dancing unicorns and intuition. How have you found your happy medium between those two? Yes, Karen, you're, you're exactly right. That the um, title of the book and really that dialectic between those two things, you know, logical, rational science versus much more intuitive, squishy spirituality is really the reason that I wrote this book because oftentimes they're seen as strange bedfellows. They're seen as, you know, diametrically opposed. Science by its nature is logical, empirical able to be observed with your senses, reproducible, subject to experimentation. And this is in contrast to spirituality, which is often transcendent and certainly not reproducible. It's very subjective and personal. It's hard to see with your eyes and hear with your ears. And it's certainly difficult to subject, therefore, to scientific inquiry and experimentation. So that's why these two are often so opposed to one another. And which is why the science of spirituality is an oxymoron in many ways and a paradox. And so that's what I have made in a way my life's work. I want to better understand what the scientific underpinnings are of spirituality, because after all, everything can somehow or another be explained scientifically. And if it can't, then we don't have the science yet to do so. And down the road, perhaps we will. And every experience that we have as human beings also has a spiritual undertone, meaning that it has important meaning and purpose and something that it can teach us about ourselves and our own soul. Everything ultimately is both spiritual and scientific, but sometimes we can see it just as one and not the other. And then we feel, you know, something's missing. I think totality of being requires us tapping into both sides of ourselves. How do we tap into, and I think for me, at least I believe synchronicity is part of this, but how do we tap into that idea of being connected with something greater than ourselves? We come to know our own desires. We kind of do a, a course correction, a, a soul correction to put it, put ourselves on the back, on the right path. But how do we tap into that idea of being connected with something greater? There is 
more going on than just what we can see and measure and count. Precisely, precisely right. And the way that I define spirituality is precisely that, a connection to something greater than oneself. For some people, that's God. For other people, it's the universe. For other people, it's Mother Nature. And there are plenty of spiritual atheists out there. You don't have to believe in God in order to be spiritual. It's really a belief that there's something greater, which could also be a set of transcendent values, like a belief in hope and trust and love that helps elevate your consciousness. And so how do we then invite spirituality into our lives? There's so many different ways. One is to start to cultivate more love in your life by opening your heart. And another one is by starting to harness the power of synchronicity. And then how do you do that? You can do that by, you know, they say, like I mentioned before, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. If you ask from your universe or from your spiritual source, whatever that is, for a sign, and not just for any sign, because how are you supposed to know if it's a sign or just random, but ask for a sign that in no uncertain terms, you will know is a sign meant for you to go on your life path. You will get that sign. Ask for that sign and ask for that sign to be guiding, to give you clarity and to help open things for you. Just, you know, think it, say it out loud, whatever it is, whatever your way of connecting to something greater than yourself is. So for some people also, a powerful way of connecting to that guidance is also through their sleep and in their dreams. That's when, you know, as Sigmund Freud said, we have a lot of access to our unconscious mind. And our unconscious mind could be seen as a connection to our own soul. It could know things before we even know them consciously. There could be ideas of how the world's supposed to be, knowledge about our own self that hasn't yet made it into conscious awareness, that if we're able to tap into our unconscious, we're able to get that knowledge and to use that to move our lives forward. So there is um, some people at Harvard, including Deidre Barrett, who wrote a book called Committee on Sleep, who um, advocates a very powerful sleep ritual. And that is when you need guidance for anything, before you go to sleep, make the last thought that you think, I, would, I am going to wake up with some guidance on this particular question, or I'm going to wake up with a new and novel solution to this particular problem I've been having. So set that as your intention before you go to sleep and try to make that the last thought that you think consciously before you fall asleep. And then it's amazing. A lot of people, it's been shown, will wake up with precisely what they've asked for guidance for, whether a solution to a problem, a way to solve a math problem, or a way to see a personal situation in a novel way that gives them a source of guidance. So those are all ways that you can start to tap in in that way. That is so much fun. And it, like most things on the spiritual journey, requires not only that you set the intention, but then that you be open to receive. Because what you might receive when you ask a question like that, it, it's probably going to be something different than you expected, which is the beauty of it. Oh, that's great fun. I love it. Yes, yes. And I think what you're saying, too, is so important in that the other part of asking for guidance is that you have to be open. Because the guidance you receive, you know, we as human beings, we like to be in control of everything. But 
Part of asking for guidance is the idea that there is something even greater than you that might see a little bit better than you can in certain situations, that our perception here could be limited, and that that guidance can open you up to something. But if we're limited to seeing the world as we've always seen it, we're, not, we're also close to that guidance. So really being open is one of the preconditions, one of the most important things of asking for guidance in the first place. What role does forgiveness play on this healing journey? And how can, especially if for a lot of us, there are things we carry, things that are unresolved, um, that need, need forgiveness or need work around forgiveness, how can releasing into forgiveness help our healing journey? Yeah, I think forgiveness is one of our most powerful ways as human beings that we can take back our power. People think that, I can't forgive that person because they hurt me or they wounded me. They don't deserve to be forgiven. What we fail to recognize is that the person who most benefits from forgiveness isn't the person being forgiven. It's us. Because in forgiving that person, usually that person doesn't even know. The forgiveness process happens within us and is our way of finally releasing all the anger and hatred and resentment and pain that we've been carrying from that person all, you know, however long we've been carrying it. People will carry grudges and they'll carry resentments to the grave. And that's a lot of energy wasted on harnessing negative feelings and giving your power away to somebody else. So for that reason, forgiveness is also an incredibly powerful way of relinquishing your victim mentality. When we are holding a grudge, we're beholden by this conception we have in our mind of someone else having harmed us. We're victims. And the most disempowering place that we could be as human beings really is victims because we don't have control as victims. But starting to forgive and relinquishing that pain which is an internal process. It doesn't happen with the person that you are forgiving. It's really internal. It's letting them go. It's freeing yourself and freeing, you know, that person in your own mind. That's an incredibly powerful way, not just of freeing yourself, but also relinquishing any way in which you remain a victim in your life. Oh, that's beautiful. I know we're just at the very end of our time. What does it mean to be fulfilled? So, my definition of fulfillment is three parts. One, it's to live authentically, so to connect and know your soul. Second, it's to understand your soul corrections. And that is those things that keep coming up in your life again and again and again, sometimes much to your chagrin and dismay and despite your best efforts to change it. Everyone has them, and you can know your soul corrections by asking, what's the greatest source of pain in my life? Once we understand what our soul corrections are, it reconceptualizes how we're living our life. And the thing that is our greatest source of pain then becomes our greatest source of growth. And in my book, I identify four soul corrections that many people have. Everyone obviously has different ones, but they include harnessing your personal power, releasing addictions, transforming fear, and improving relationships. And the third part of fulfillment is connecting to part of something greater than yourself as a form of guidance and protection. And when 
listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to find you? Sure. On my website, which is www.annayusum.com, which is A-N-N-A-Y-U-S-I-M as in Mary.com. And I know you've been doing a lot of interviews. There's been a lot of really good buzz around this book. That's because it's an excellent book. Where can we look for you next and what's coming next for you? Sure, yes. So the book is available. It's on Amazon. It's on my website. It's anywhere books on soul are sold. And presently, we're starting to work on a film around the principles of fulfilled. Oh. Um, there's actually two things going on. There's a PBS special that's going to be made about it. And the second thing is a film that's really about synchronicity and harnessing your personal power. Oh, that sounds what that's excellent. And these are the way the world is um, and the way we're headed, I think. Um, that's, these are wonderful resources for a world that needs healing that is seeking fulfillment. Dr. Anna Yusum, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you so much, Karen. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That's Dr. Anna Yusum. Her new book is Fulfilled, How the Science of Spirituality Can Help You Live a Happier, More Meaningful Life. You can find out more about Anna and her work at AnnaYusim.com. That's A-N-N-A-Y-U-S-I-M.com. And of course, if you're interested in finding out who's coming up next on this radio program, how you can connect with me for a private session, classes, all kinds of good stuff, that's all happening over at KarenHager.com, and I hope to see you there. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.